Hi friends, it's me Jennifer Jade and you're listening to The Soul Adventurer, your number one spiritual growth podcast to bring you even further into your greatness. I believe every soul in human form is on a soul adventure, but only some will make the most of it. This podcast is for anyone that desires to awaken, align, and inspire others through journeying to become their best self. If that's you, welcome. You're in the right place, and this is where you belong. Are you ready for today's soul adventure? Then let's begin. Hey friends, Jennifer Jade here. Before we hop into the episode, I just wanted to share with you quickly that I am hosting my first ever and possibly only live event in Canada. It is going to be in Whistler. There are only 10 spaces available. If you'd like more information, head to the link in my Instagram bio. It's called the Awakening Live Event Whistler. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of The Soul Adventurer with Jennifer Jade. I am your host and I'm super excited to dive into today's subject. We have Valentine's Day coming up around the corner if you're listening to these around the same time that I post them. And it really inspired me to share with you something that dramatically changed my relationship with my husband. If you have listened to my podcast episode, it's a few episodes back called I Asked for a Divorce, then you'll hear this story in great detail. My experience with my husband, we dated, uh, we started dating in our late teens, early 20s. We've been together for 15 years, married for 10 and a half years. It's been quite a journey and I have learned quite a few things about relationships in the past 15 years. So if this one is speaking to you, this episode, and you haven't listened to I Asked for a Divorce, I would also listen to that episode as well. Anyway, what we're going to discuss today is going to help you in all relationships, whether this is the relationship with your husband, your partner, um, your children, if you're a mother, your siblings, your parents, Anyone around you that you have any kind of relationship with, maybe you have a team that you work with or coworkers or employees, this is radically going to help you shift your relationship with them as well and become a better leader. So if you have even one person in your life, if you desire to be a loving, magnetic leader, spouse, employer, co-worker, mother, father, any of these things, this episode is for you. What really helped my husband and I turn a corner in our relationship when I was feeling disconnected from him, I was starting to feel like maybe we had just gotten married too young, maybe this wasn't my soulmate, I wasn't feeling that soul bond connection that I wanted to have in my relationship. I had learned to not settle in life, not settle in a job I don't love, not settle even in a business I don't love, and I didn't want to be settling in a relationship that I didn't love. I had some clients when I was a wedding photographer. Tanner and Megan, if you're listening, thank you so much, 
who first introduced me to the book, The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. Now, I didn't sense the need to read this book at the time that they gave it to me. It was a thank you gift for being their wedding photographer. And it was a book that had really helped them transform their relationship. So I was so grateful to them for giving me this gift. And truth be told, I was busy. I was getting into wedding season at the time when I was a destination wedding photographer. And I kind of put it on the shelf and let it collect dust for a little while. Well, fast forward a couple of years later, and I find myself, like I said, feeling disconnected from my husband, wondering if I had made a mistake or if we had just grown apart, if our relationship had run its course, if I had gotten married too young, all kinds of things running through my mind. Maybe I just didn't know who I was when we got married, and now I know who I am, and, and I just didn't choose the right partner for me. Because honestly, Graham and I have always been great friends. Even before, long, many years before we ever dated, we were very great friends. And even through the period of time where I was feeling disconnected from him, I still loved him as a person and respected him and admired him and was great friends with him. I just wasn't sure that we were meant to be married. That's how I felt. So... I wanted to reach out for this book that had been gifted to me a couple of years earlier and just get to learn a little bit more about myself, about relationships. I wasn't really convinced at the time that marriage counseling would fix this. These are my thoughts. This is where I was in my awareness and my consciousness around this time, which was a few years ago now. I didn't think marriage counseling would work because I didn't feel like there was anything wrong that Graham was doing. It wasn't like I was just so fed up that he never takes the garbage out and he never, you know, blah, blah, blah. I didn't have a long list of things I wish he did that he didn't and that he's this terrible husband and, you know, that we I need a marriage counselor to tell him how to be a better, you know, just, I don't know. I, and I'm a bit naive when it comes to marriage counseling, obviously. But in my mind, that's what I was thinking at the time. But I did want to reach for this book because I've been so enveloped in personal development since I was a teenager, thanks to my mom, and probably even before that without even realizing it because of my mom, that I knew there had to be something also about me that was contributing to my unhappiness and to my feeling disconnected from Graham. But I could not for the life of me put my finger on what that was. I touched on this a couple times with my life coach, but we didn't focus on this area because that wasn't why I had hired him. But I, you know, he kind of cracked the ice a little bit for me to help me see some things about myself that, uh, that may have been contributing to my unhappiness and my feeling disconnected from Graham. But this book, I will tell you, really opened my eyes. And for anyone wondering, I have never met Gary Chapman. I have no affiliation with him, and I'm not just trying to help him sell some books. Not that there's anything wrong with that, because it is an incredible book. But everything I'm sharing with you is because I feel truly passionate about what he teaches in this book. And I'm going to give to you in a nutshell what I've taken away, but I still highly suggest reading or listening to the book. I like to use the app called audible.com, audible app. 
to listen to books while I'm driving, when I'm on my way to the gym, or I'm warming up on the treadmill, or doing the dishes, or getting ready in the morning. Listening to books helps me digest them a lot faster. Anyways, here's kind of my interpretation of the five love languages and how I've applied them to my relationship, not only with my husband, but now with everyone around me, which has really helped me even understand people around me so much better. Think of it this way. You know how there's different languages in the world. So there's people who speak English fluently. That's their most dominant language. It's their first language. There's people who speak uh, Japanese fluently, French fluently, German, Italian. And these are our most dominant language. This is the language we understand the easiest. We speak the easiest. We write and communicate the best. And when people are speaking to us in that language, it's also much easier for us to understand and receive what the heck they're talking about when they're speaking to us in our most dominant language. What Gary Chapman suggests and writes about in his book is that there are five love languages and that we each of us have our own specific most dominant love language. But you very well be in relationships, whether that's romantic relationships, family relationships, working relationships, with people who have a different love language from you. And so here's where we kind of run into this disconnect. We feel like we are showing love and appreciation to people around us, but we're showing it to them in ways that are our most dominant love language, that we feel is the appropriate and most loving way to act and behave and and things to do. Whereas if you are doing and, and acting your love language to someone else who has a different love language from yours, they're not fully receiving that feeling of love. It's not fully landing with them. I'm sure it is in some way or some light way and possibly actually maybe not at all. Maybe they're not receiving that as a form of love at all. That's just very low totem pole on their ranking of love languages. But if you really want to feel a deep connection with someone, if you really want to learn how to show appreciation for the people around you, whether that's a team that you're leading or people that you're working with or your own children or your own spouse or your own parents or your own siblings, your own friends, you want to learn what their love language is and you want to speak to them in their love language. And I'm going to actually share with you what these five love languages are and I'll give you a brief summary of each one. So not only is it important to know what your love language is and I'll actually post a link in the show notes. So if you're listening to this for sure on Apple Podcasts, I'll have the link for Gary Chapman's five love language quiz. You can go there. You can also, of course, check out his book or download it on the Audible podcast and listen to it. So the five love languages, not in any particular order. There's no ranking of these in general, only as they apply to you specifically. So if you take that quiz, on the five lovelanguages.com, which is the number five, and then lovelanguages.com. And again, I'll put the link in the show notes to this episode. You will actually see your ranking of your own particular love languages. And as you begin to understand these more, you will now start to understand what your friends, family, spouse, what their love language is just by observing them. 
just by knowing what they do, how they've been showing love to you, it will become so clear to you. And now you will be able to act in such a way that they feel so fully loved by you with the simplest of acts. Okay, first love language I want to talk about is quality time. Quality time, just as it sounds, is spending time with this person. If their love language is quality time, they really enjoy any time that you will put your phone down, any time that you will not respond to texts when they're at dinner with you or watching TV with you or going on a walk, when you, when they have your full undivided attention. You could be literally watching TV together. That would feel like quality time. It doesn't have to be this big spectacular event. But you taking time out of your day to spend with this person especially if their love language is quality time will feel they will feel that warm fuzzy feeling in their chest that you went out of your way to spend time with them and even just doing the simplest of things such as watching a 30 minute television show or spending five minutes to talk with them in between clients or in between chasing after the kids or whatever it is. It doesn't have to be a long amount of time and it doesn't have to be an extraordinary event, but spending even a few moments of your time with someone makes them feel so special and so loved by you, especially if that is their most dominant love language, quality time. Now, quality time is actually my most dominant love language. So I remember one of the sub dialects of quality time because each of these five love languages has a couple of, di- of sub dialects. And this is what you'll read about when you listen to the book or you, or you read the book. I'm not going to go into all the sub dialects, but one of the sub dialects of quality time is quality conversation, deep conversation. So people who have quality time is one of their most dominant love languages. Not only do they love and appreciate spending time with someone, but they love deep conversation. They are just not interested in small talk. It just, they, (laughs) I'm just, okay, I'll talk about myself. They just, I just die a little inside when our conversation consists of the weather and uh, the weekend plans and what's for dinner. You know, that is just so soul deflating to me. I want to know about your dreams. I want to know about your wins for the week. I want to know what excites you. Or I want to know what's, you know, you're, what you're facing that you're struggling with or challenge what's challenging you. Like, I'd love to hear that. I'd love to be a shoulder, an ear. I'd love to help in any way I can. So a sub-dialect of quality time is deep conversation. So if any of this is resonating with you, you may have quality time as your most dominant or one of your most dominant love languages. Let's go to the next one. Physical touch. Just as it sounds, holding someone's hand, giving them a bit of a back rub if it's, you know, a spouse or someone that where that's appropriate to do, you know, touching in some way when you're sitting on the couch, like maybe you're sitting next to each other or your feet are touching or whatever, but just, you know, embracing in a hug, 
um, lingering onto that hug a couple of seconds extra, again, if it's appropriate to do so. Physical touch can be very meaningful to people who have that as their most dominant love language. Acts of service. Acts of service. This is when people really appreciate when you do kind or thoughtful things. So I'll give myself and my husband as an example. His most dominant love language is acts of service, whereas mine is quality time. And we didn't know this for years. <laughs> for the majority of our relationship, we had no idea what our love language, we didn't even know what love languages even were until you know we hit that period of time where I just was second guessing if we even belong together anymore. So I listened to this book. We both did. We we both wanted to see what we could do with our relationship and to reconnect with one another. So we both listened to this book. I realized mine's quality time. His is acts of service. And then it became clear to me. You know that saying, um, hindsight gives you 20-20 vision? Now it made sense to me why Graham was always so willing to hop off the couch and go get me ice cream if I was having a craving at 10 o'clock at night. I'm like, wow. To me, I was just thinking, wow, what a really nice guy. Like, I probably wouldn't get up off the couch in my sweats or PJs at 10 o'clock at night and go get him ice cream. But hey, all the power to him. What a great guy. (laughs) You know, it didn't make me feel all warm and lovey and gooey inside. It was just like, oh, that's a nice thing to do. Okay, great. Um, Or, you know, usually if he cooks dinner, then I do the dishes. But there'd be some nights where I'm just overwhelmed with, Uh, work or when I was a photographer I would be so overwhelmed with editing photos some weeks and he would not only cook but then also do the dishes after even though that's just not part of his you know our routine or you know making the bed usually I always make the bed I just can't stand a messy bed so I always make the bed but say I had to get up and rush out the door in the morning or I woke up late or whatever Graham would make the bed and I just like you know that's really cool that you know he would do that but I again I just thought it was like a nice deed that he's just a good person it didn't make me feel like oh we're so connected we're soulmates but because his love language is acts of service and I wasn't really doing very many acts of service to be honest like not that I can remember because it just didn't register with me that that means something powerful or or loving it just it didn't compute with me because it's not my love language and I was not aware that these love languages existed so I just thought oh that's really nice guy and here I am trying to like book weekend getaways together and like excuses and reasons for us to spend time together and sometimes he would just be like you know what I'm too busy or I need to work or like totally shut me down not every time of course But I would just feel so defeated and deflated when he would shut me down to spend time together. And I didn't realize that I was extra sensitive about that because quality time is my love language, where he didn't have any idea that that was anything to be sensitive about or that was even a big deal to him because that's not his love language, right? So you see how when you have different love languages than other people, you can really be mixing signals with one another. And you can really just leave each other not feeling fully loved, fully seen, fully appreciated when you're trying to give them a love language they don't understand and they're trying to give you a love language that you don't understand. So let's go to the next one. Words of affirmation. There are people in the world who just absolutely crave to be told 
They are loved. They are appreciated. They are making a difference in the world or in your life. And I just want to pause here. All of these five love languages obviously are going to feel good to you in some way, shape, or form. I mean, of course, I appreciate words of affirmation. If someone says something very kind and thoughtful to me, of course I appreciate that. But it's just not my most dominant one, right? So they'll be ranked for you. What is your most dominant? What's your second most dominant? Third, fourth, fifth? So you might resonate a little bit with all of these five love languages. It's just a matter of which one actually speaks to your soul the most. Words of affirmation. You may actually find that people who have words of affirmation as their most dominant love language are the first to give words of affirmation. Because think about it, they feel like that's how you express love. So if you know someone who is often telling you how awesome you are, how amazing you are, how good of a job you're doing, um, often that is a signal or a clue that perhaps their most dominant love language is words of affirmation. So it would behoove you if you want to express love back to this person to share some words of affirmation back to them that of course are genuine and authentic and, and true for you. Receiving gifts. I want to, I'm going to use my best friend and I as an example of this. My best friend started giving me gifts like when we were, <laughs> we base, it's so funny. My best friend and I, well, I have, I actually have a couple of really amazing lifelong best friends, but this particular friend, we met in grade eight and it was kind of like this weird love at first sight, best friendship. We met the first day of drama class in grade eight when the teacher Mr. Boyd told us to pick a partner and we just totally like locked eyes and we're like kind of pointed at each other and and we we declared ourselves best friends I think within a month of meeting each other and um, we told each other how we were going to be each other's maids of honor when we got married and and years later we were and we've been there through all of our life events together ever since anyway she started giving me gifts when we were in eighth grade. Like, we're too young to even have jobs at this point. And here she is buying me gifts or bringing me gifts to school. And I don't even know where she's getting this stuff. And, and, then, I, and then I just felt guilty all the time because I was like, oh, okay. Like, I don't know. Am I supposed to get her a gift? Or like, <laughs> what's going on here? She would sometimes drop gifts off, you know, years down the road when we lived in our own home. She'd come leave something at my door. You know, and um, so as soon as I read this book, I'm like, okay, receiving gifts is her love language. For so many years, I was just like, man, I wish she'd stop giving me all these gifts. I, now I just feel bad and I feel guilty and I have to go run out and get her a gift. So that's a whole, that's a, there's a whole other topic there we could get into about being open to receiving without just quickly having to um, rebuff or reciprocate immediately like just being open to receiving and saying thank you whether that's gifts or compliments or a coffee or whatever like just say thank you and receive it and don't just deflect and um, bounce it off or quickly pay it back or whatever because then there there could be a symptom that you are not open to just fully receiving and that could be reflected in your finances 
if that is going on for you. But that's a whole other topic we could get into another time. Let me know if that interests you. Send me a private message or a direct message on Facebook or Instagram. I always welcome feedback to know what kind of topics you'd like me to go into. Anyways, getting back to receiving gifts. Once I listened to this book, The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman, I could start to see, oh my goodness, my husband's love language is uh, acts of service. That's why he leaps off the couch the second I say I have a craving or does the dishes when I'm too busy or makes the bed when I forget or, you know, does all these things. That's his way of, of showing me that he loves me and I just never got it before. And uh, my girlfriend, my best friend, you know, that's why she's buying me all these gifts because she's trying to show me that she loves me. That is her most dominant love language. And they don't have to be extravagant gifts. In fact, it's more about the thought behind the gift for people whose most dominant love language or one of them is receiving gifts. It's not about please spend money on me. I'm super materialistic. All I want are gifts. That's not what it's about. It's about the thoughtfulness behind the gift. It's about the meaning that it has. It says, hey, I was thinking of you and I wanted to give you this. Or, hey, I saw this beautiful ornament and I thought of you and I wanted to give you this. Or it could be a flower you picked you know, a wildflower you picked in an alleyway. Like it literally could be anything, but it'll just really warm their heart when you give it to them. Now we could go into (laughs) why we have these love languages. So just to recap, quality time. A sub-dialect of quality time is deep conversation. I only know that and remember that because that's this is my most dominant love language. But each one of them has sub-dialects. Go ahead and read the book to learn more about each one of these five love languages. Quality time, physical touch, acts of service, words of affirmation, receiving gifts. We could go in, you know, like I said a minute ago, we could go into why... These have become our most dominant love language. For example, um, receiving gifts might be your most dominant love language if that's how you were shown as a child. So perhaps you had a parent who didn't really know how to express love with physical touch, wasn't really comfortable expressing words of affirmation, but was far more comfortable expressing their love through bringing gifts home or treats home or things like that. And and that's how you felt loved by your parent. And so now you're seeking a similar validation from your partner. Like, oh, like, well, that's how I feel love is when you bring me home a treat or you you bring me a thoughtful gift or something. And, and that's how, how you were brought up and how you were raised. And now it has become your love language. That's just one example. It doesn't mean it's going to be that same pattern for everybody. We could go back a generation. So perhaps your parents were most comfortable, one of your parents was most comfortable giving you gifts rather than words of affirmation and physical touch because maybe they grew up very, very poor. Maybe they grew up with very little money, very little toys, if any, and could barely afford food on the table. So if you had a parent that was in a position to bring you even little tiny trinkets home or a little cookie here and there, that was very meaningful to them because that was something they never had as a child. So it's it's so um, fulfilling for them to be able to do that for their child. These are. This is just literally 
examples of how these love languages may have formed over generations doesn't necessarily mean you fit into the the pattern or the mold but just to kind of spin your wheels and get you thinking i always love thinking about the root cause like where things originated or where these human behavior patterns started so i thought i'd just share a little bit of background on that i'm not even sure if Gary Chapman mentions that in his book, this is just now my observation over the past few years working with my own clients and being such a um, uh, obsessive uh, personal development and spiritual growth and human behavior um, person. I just love learning about these things. The other thing that I wanted to share with you is about the flip side of these five love languages. And again, I'm not even sure Gary Chapman talks about this in his book, but it's now something that I've observed for the last two years that Graham and I have really been implementing these love languages into our life. So now what it looks like is I'm aware of what my husband's most dominant love language is. I'm aware of what my best friend's most dominant love language is. I'm aware, you know, I can even tell with children you know you can kind of see it in their eyes if you give them a couple words of affirmation and they light up like a christmas tree well it's a good sign that their most one of their most dominant love languages is words of affirmation if they light up like a christmas tree if you give them a little toy or or they just kind of like look at it for a second and then run away you know you can you can kind of gather these clues so now that my husband and i are aware of each other's most dominant love languages we make time to have quality time together and he knows that you know each weekend we're gonna carve out some time to go on a walk or a hike or an adventure somewhere we're gonna make sure that we go on vacation somewhere that each day we're gonna spend at least a few minutes talking to each other or watching a show together or something he knows that no matter how busy either of us gets this is detrimental to our relationship and to us feeling connected and particularly me feeling bonded and connected with him honestly i will tell you it makes such a difference then on the flip side when I'm out and about and I see something that I think he would love or I think of a just a little act around the house I could do that he would really feel appreciated and love that I would do or if there's some kind of a favor I can do or a chore or some kind of act of service, I will do it. So this is not about each of you having to become a different person and you have to be inauthentic and change who you are in order to you know, fit into each other's molds and be a better husband and wife. No, it just means be more thoughtful, be more conscious, be more aware. You don't even have to go out of your way. It could be in the little everyday things, pockets of your life, but you get this little ping like, hey, I think Graham would actually really appreciate it if I quickly swung by and picked this up for him. Or if I went out and got this bag of candy for him because he's such a candy freak. Um, You know, just little things here and there. And now we just feel so much more connected, honestly. We feel so much more connected. And knowing that my sub-dialect of quality time is deep conversation, now that he's aware of that, he's willing to go a little bit deeper with me in our conversations. So he'll go back and forth with me. He'll ask me more questions. He's more interested, you know, and and vice versa with him. So honestly, I cannot tell you enough. This Valentine's Day, whether you're in a relationship or you are ready for your next relationship, 
or you have people you love in your life, such as siblings, your parents, children, coworkers, a team, peers, any of those people, anyone in your life that you love, start observing. Start to find out what their love language is. Heck, you couldn't even ask them. They might even know because this was a very popular book. They might even know what their love language is. Or you can have them take the quiz and just say, hey, have you ever checked this out before? But chances are the better you know them and the longer you've spent time with them, you'll be able to actually think about it and just go back in their patterns of their life and see, are they the type of person that wants to spend quality time with you? Are they the type of person that loves to hug and embrace? Are they the type of person that loves to do really kind deeds? Are they the type of person that is always giving words of affirmation? Are they the type of person that likes to bring little gifts for everyone? And those are going to be your clues as to what their love language is. And if you start showing them love in those ways, just little little bits here and there, it will go a long, long way in your connection with each other. And if you are a leader in any way, this is huge. When people feel loved and appreciated, they want to do a better job for you. So this is not just about, you know, husbands and wives or couples. This is about uh, every relationship in your life. The flip side, though, that I, I do want to share is that whatever your most dominant love language is, you can be most sensitive to that. So for example, I touched on it a little bit earlier. My most dominant love language is quality time. So when my husband was kind of poo-pooing the idea of going away together for the weekend or was constantly too busy to ever go on a vacation with me or was always putting his work ahead of spending time with me or his clients ahead of spending time with me or when we're sitting on the couch this is this honestly I laughed when I learned this because I'm like yep that's totally me I get so pissed When I am at dinner with someone or watching TV with someone or a movie with someone, because to me that's quality time, and they pick up their phone and they're texting or they're scrolling social media, oh my goodness, I can't even tell you. I feel so disrespected. I feel so like shit on. (laughs) I'll have to bleep that out. And I never understood why. I'm like, well, how could they think that's okay? That's like the rudest thing you could do to somebody. And I realized it's because people like me, whose most dominant love language is quality time, are going to be hypersensitive to that. You're going to be extra sensitive to when people are not spending quality time with you or are distracted when they're spending quality time with you. Whereas that's a very good sign that their love language is not quality time because Obviously, they would not be trying to hurt you or trying to be rude or knowing that this is going to piss you off and do it anyway. It's just not registering with them because that's not their love language. That's all that that means. So when you're being triggered, just remember, oh, that's right. One of the reasons I'm being triggered in this moment is because my most dominant love language is quality time. That's just one example. You could be triggered if your most dominant love language is physical touch and your spouse just never wants to embrace, never wants to hold hands, never wants to be near you, never, you know, that could, or pulls away, like say you're holding hands and they pull away from you. Like this could feel very hurtful to you because you're hypersensitive to physical touch 
whereas they are not if that's not their love language. So they don't realize that they're hurting your feelings or not trying to be harmful or hurtful anyway. It's just not their love language, so it's just not registering with them as something that would be harmful or hurtful. So anytime that you are feeling triggered or upset or unloved or disrespected, ask yourself, oh, is this hitting a nerve because this is my love language and not theirs? And so in these ways, you can really start to understand not only other people better and how to love and appreciate them better, but also yourself in times that you are feeling hurt or triggered or upset. Now you can understand why. And now you might actually be easier able to forgive the other person and understand that they weren't trying to hurt you or offend you in any way. You can be gentler, not only with yourself, but with others. That is everything, my friends listening, that is coming through for me to share with you about the five love languages. If this intrigues you in any way, of course, grab a copy of the five love languages.com. I'm not affiliated anyway. I don't have any affiliate links for you. I just really highly recommend the book for basically anyone on the planet who has even one person in their life that they love, regardless of if that's a romantic relationship or not. You can also do the quiz uh, five love languages.com. That's the number five. And then love languages.com website right on the homepage of the website. They'll take you to the quiz. You can find out your love language. Um, you can have your significant other or friends and sisters and brothers take the quiz too, if you want. But I honestly think the more you learn about these five love languages, the more you're just going to be able to tell and observe from other people what theirs is. And now I'd love to hear from you. What do you believe your most dominant love language is based on what you've heard from this podcast so far? Is yours quality time, physical touch, acts of service, words of affirmation, or receiving gifts? Take a screenshot of this podcast episode, share it in your Insta stories, Facebook stories, or your regular Facebook or Instagram. Tag me in the post and let me know what is your most dominant love language. And then invite your friends to answer below in the comments section so that you can hear what theirs is as well. And if you'd love to meet in person and go on a soul adventure together, I'd love to connect with you in Whistler this April. Head to the link in the bio of my Instagram at Jennifer Jade underscore success coach and head there quick because there's only 10 spaces and I have the feeling they're going to fill up fast. I hope to see you there. Have a wonderful Valentine's Day if it's around that time of year when you're listening to this. I love and appreciate you so much. Thank you for being here and I'll see you in the next episode. That's it for today, my friend. But before you go, I have a request and a surprise for you. If you enjoyed today's episode, please let me know and help me spread the love by taking a quick screenshot and tagging me on social media or by leaving a rating and review on iTunes. The more I know what you're loving, the more I can create what helps you the most. The surprise? I have some free resources to help you along on your soul adventure. Just simply head to jenniferjade.com forward slash free gifts or click the link in the show notes right here in iTunes. Thank you so much again for being here. I'm sending you so much love and I'll see you in the next episode.